Got your mind locked up? No, I'm so, I don't understand. Go over to the morgue and look at all them dead people. As I'm sitting there with a severed head in my hand, talking to it, or looking at it, and I'm about to go crazy, literally. I'm about to go completely flywheel loose and just fall apart. And what did you then do? Told her to get out of the car, and that's when she became afraid. And, uh, up to that point, I assumed that she thought it was just going to be a rape. I walked her over in front of a tree, and then I shot her. So did you know that you could perhaps kill somebody? Yes, but I wanted to do hood rat stuff for my friend. Live people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. Hey, strangers, welcome to a new episode of Strange Talk Podcast. Uh, now we're back, and everybody's actually here today. I'm joined again by Danny and Robert. Uh, they're here with me again today for this episode. Yo. So, how is everyone doing? What's up? How, what would you guys do fucking today? Uh, Call of Duty Cold War, bro. You know, I was playing <laughs> that earlier too, dude. The Alpha. Heck yeah. It's all right. It's pretty good. I don't know if I'm going to get it. Even though I might get That's it. That's a lie. You're yeah, gonna get it. I'm probably going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing me, I'm probably going to get it. But fuck it. Uh, it's okay. Uh, I like it. It's decent. But it's not... I don't know. But anyways, well, we're here with uh, the episode that was supposed to be last week's episode. But due to scheduling conflicts, we weren't able to get it to you. But today's episode, we have... We're going to be doing the John Edward Robinson. And I actually never knew anything about this case whatsoever. So everything that you guys are going to learn... I learned, I'm learning with you. So, you know, education, (laughs) education, indeed, my friend. All right, let's get to the fucking meat of this bad boy. All right. So Robinson was born in Cicero, Illinois, the third of five children of an alcoholic father and a disciplinarian mother. In 1957, he became an Eagle Scout and reportedly traveled to London with a group of scouts who performed before Queen Elizabeth II. Later that year, he enrolled at Quigley Preparatory Seminar in Chicago, a private boys' school for aspiring priests, but dropped out after one year due to disciplinary issues. In 1961, he enrolled at Morton Junior College in Cicero to become a medical x-ray technician, but dropped out after two years. And in 1964, he moved to Kansas City, and married Nancy Jo Lynch, who bore their first child, uh, named John Jr. And in 1965, and fraternal twins, uh, Christopher and Christine, in 1971. Robinson was arrested for the first time in Kansas City in 1969 after embezzling $33,000 from the medical practice of Dr. Wallace Graham, where he worked as an x-ray technician, a job he obtained using forged credentials. He was sentenced to three years probation. And in 1970, Robinson violated probation by moving back to Chicago without his probation officer's permission or knowledge and took a job as an insurance salesman at R.B. Jones Company. In 1971, he was arrested once again for embezzlement from that firm and ordered back to Kansas City, where his probation was extended. And in 1975, it was extended again after another arrest, this time on charges of um, securities fraud and mail fraud in connection with a phony medical consulting company he had formed in Kansas City. So pretty much he was like basically a con man throughout most of his like early adult life. That's how he attained most of his money is he would just like 
basically fill out an application for a job and just pretend like he knew what he was doing and get the job and at least get by so he can just make money. Huh. He sounds like a like that one guy from that movie, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, like, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's pretty much like that. Yeah, he would just <laughs> he would just kind of, just he wasn't as uh, dashing and good looking as uh, <laughs> I guess Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> as some would say. <laughs> you want to dock him, don't you, you nasty boy? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice docking feeling just warm you know cozy damn <laughs> uh, now i lost my where i was reading that all that talk about docking. You think, so you're thinking of that chinese finger trap for your dick <laughs> Uh, so in 1971, he was arrested once again uh, for embezzlement from that firm and ordered back to Kansas City, where his probation was extended. In 1975, it was extended again after another arrest, this time on charges of uh, securities fraud and mail fraud in connection with the phony medical consulting company he had formed in Kansas City. During this period, Robinson cultivated and maintained the outward appearance of a personable, community-minded citizen and a family man. He became a scoutmaster, a basketball coach, and a Sunday school teacher. So, <laughs> dang, he was like becoming everything. A scoutmaster, yeah. a baseball coach, and a Sunday school teacher. One hell of a resume. Right? <laughs> so in 1977, uh, he talked his way into the board of directors of a local charitable organization and forged a series of letters from the executive director to the mayor of Kansas City and from the mayor to other civic leaders commending his generous volunteer efforts and generally singing his praises. So hmm. he was kind of, it sounds like it's starting to sound like he's kind of like an egotistical type of dude. Like he thinks very highly of himself and he's like narcissistic. Well, you have to be if you're going to be a con man. Yeah. If you don't believe in yourself and no one else is going to believe you. Yep. you. Do you think so? Do you think it's sort of like a lie that they, like they kind of tell themselves that it's like a, a fucking lie. Like, Oh, I'm, like it's it's so they believe the lie, the lie in themselves so strongly that that's why they are successful at conning people though. Do you mm -hmm. think? Well, yeah. If, if you can't convince yourself of it, then how are you supposed to like make everyone else believe you? That's very true. Dang, yeah. that's crazy. So in 1977, he talked his way onto the board of directors, and um, but, eventually. But, okay, hold on. But you okay. don't just talk your way onto board of directors. Usually, you got to do something to put yourself in that position. Like in within a company, mm -hmm. you know, you have merit within a company to become a director. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy that he was just able to talk himself into it. Well, I mean, he was a con man, so I yeah. he's able to fucking. But he's a con man that later just turned to killing as we progress further into this case. Uh, but eventually, he had himself named the organization's Man of the Year and threw a festive awards luncheon in his own honor. In 1979, Robertson finally completed probation, but by 1980 was under arrest again on multiple charges, including, once again, embezzlement and check forgery, for which he served 60 days in jail back in 1982. He formed a bogus hydroponics business and swindled a friend out of $25,000 who had hoped to receive a fast investment return to pay for his dying wife's health care. Oh, man. That's a good friend right there. Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Fuck, dude. That's fucked up. At this time, he reportedly began sexually propositioning many of his neighbor's wives, triggering a fistfight with Bruh. one of the husbands. 
<laughs> he also joined a secret sadomasochism cult called the International Council of Masters and became its slave master, whose duties included luring victims to gatherings to be tortured and raped by cult members. Here's the, here's the juicy part. Yeah, so he, <laughs> so throughout all of this time that he was be, like basically conning people out of their money and and he fucked his friend over who's his wife his friend's wife was dying of cancer and he he like he basically found out that his friend had this much money and he's like dude I'm saving it though because it's like for my wife she has cancer and she needs it for the medical costs and he's like yeah but I bet you I can get you more money if you just give me that $25,000 I'll make it into like $50,000 I imagine is what he probably told him and then yeah he's he's out of that yeah, money see, his friend was just dumb and desperate though yeah yeah but see that's the thing I would give you $25,000 I'm sorry you're my friend but I don't believe that you'd be able to fucking turn it around super fast with my wife dying. Yeah, exactly. But see, that's the thing about conmen is is exactly like you said it. Like they believe in themselves so much that you're gonna believe in them. So he probably truly believed, and and that's what conmen I think do is they target people that are desperate. That's like that's why I think like so many things like um, uh, what is it like like MLM companies, which is multi level marketing companies like Cutco. Uh, Oh, what's the other one? Um, Mary Kay, like things like that. I, they're kind of like con men because you're fooling these people into thinking that you're going to make a lot of money because you recruit people, but then it doesn't end up like turning out that pyramid way. Scheme. Yeah, it's yeah, pyramid, pyramid. Scheme. pyramid schemes. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. The people that go to your door, like, hey, sign up for this. You'll get money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so basically throughout all this time that he was doing that, he actually, so he, he had like a, a very sexual kinky side. He liked to be a dom. He was, he, he didn't like to be dominated. He liked to dominate people. So he was a, um, a sadist. And in 1984, having started two more fraudulent shell companies, they were both named Equi plus and Equi two Robinson hired Paula Godfrey. And she was only 19 at the time, ostensibly to work as a sales representative. Godfrey told friends and family that Robinson was sending her away for training. After hearing nothing further from her, Godfrey's parents filed a missing persons report. Police questioned Robinson, who denied any knowledge of her whereabouts. Several days later, they received a typewritten letter with Godfrey's signature at the bottom stating that she was thankful for Robinson's help, but she was okay, and that she did not want to see her family. So he basically wrote a letter to the family, like a typed letter, and signed the letter saying that, oh, she's okay, but that she doesn't want to see the family because she's moved on. She's hmm. like rich now or something like that. The investigation was terminated, and the police were just like, <laughs> the police were like, okay, that's enough for us. Uh, she's not missing. See, they fucked up. They didn't have Facebook or Instagram to prove yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. what it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. As Godfrey was of legal age and there was no evidence of any wrongdoing, no trace of Paula Godfrey has ever been found. In 1985, Robinson, using the name John Osborne, met Lisa Stacy and her four-month-old daughter. Now, this is the fucked up part. I mean, it's not brutal, at least not yet, but it's, it's kind of not bad. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of bad. Tiffany at a battered woman's shelter in Kansas City. That's where, she, that's where um, he met her, where Robinson met this woman, uh, Lisa Stacy. He promised her a job in Chicago, 
an apartment and daycare for her four-month-old baby and asked her to sign several sheets of blank stationary paper. A few days later, Robinson contacted his brother and sister-in-law who had been unable to adopt a baby through traditional means and informed them that he knew of a baby whose mother had committed suicide. Who do you think that baby is? <laughs> she said Dove signing all those papers. Exactly. With, but, like, see, but, see, but, but see, that's the thing. She was so desperate. She was in a shelter, dude. She was she she just all she cared about at that point was if this guy's promising me all this shit, she's so desperate that she just believed him. That's the fucked up part about it. Is he preyed upon somebody who's so desperate that you're so desperate for something that you're willing to put yourself, even though you, I'm pretty sure she thought like, there's no way this is true, but if 1% chance that it is true, at least I know my baby's going to be taken care of and he, I'm getting a job. Even yeah, though, yeah. you know, so like, very that's like, does, that, does that make me an asshole for not feeling sorry for this chick? Like you're a dumbass. Like, come on. It's like stealing candy from a baby. Yeah. But hey, it's like, that desperation. But like, that's so fucking stupid and gullible. Yeah, because she was so desperate. She wanted to get, she wanted to fucking, she wanted to get out of the situation she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, she said that she committed suicide uh, for a five thousand and five hundred dollar fee to an imaginary lawyer. Don and Helen Robinson received Tiffany Stacy, whose identity was confirmed by DNA testing later after in 2000 back in 2000 and a set of authentic appearing adoption papers with the four signatures of two lawyers and a judge lisa stacy was never heard from again so for the listeners that were confused uh john edward robinson had met a, a woman at a shelter that had a four-month-old daughter and he promised her a job and he made her sign all these blank pieces of paper for whatever reason and you know he ended up killing her and he sold her four-month-old daughter to his uh i believe his brother and his her, his brother's wife to adopt and yeah <laughs> that shit's fucked up so uh and also <laughs> so in 1987 Catherine clampett uh 27 left her child with her parents in wichita falls uh texas and moved to kansas city to find employment she was hired by Robinson, who reportedly promised her extensive traveling and a new wardrobe. She vanished in June of that year. Her missing persons case remains open to this very day. From 1987 to 1993, Robinson was incarcerated first in Kansas on multiple fraud convictions and thereafter in Missouri for another fraud conviction and parole violations. At Western Missouri Correctional Facility, he met and integrated himself with 49-year-old Beverly Bonner. <laughs> that's your last name, Bonner. Bonner. <laughs> yeah, that's how, you, that's, how, that's how you know how fucking mature I am because I laugh at that stupid shit. <laughs> it's Boner, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> the prison librarian. Okay, she was a librarian that worked in the prison and he started like fucking hooking up with her and shit. Who upon okay, it, This sounds like a fucking porno movie, star movie. The yeah. girl's name was Boner, and she worked in the library. <laughs> Come on now. She was the hot yeah. librarian. <laughs> how, how, how would the scene go in your porno movie that you're speaking of? Oh, your books are overdue, sir. Get over here so I can spank you. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pay off your debt by licking this pay off them debts, boy. <laughs> Just like that. See, told you. I've seen this porn already. <laughs> Just watched it five minutes ago, I promise. 
okay, so after Robinson, uh, after Robinson arranged for uh, Bonner's alimony checks to be forwarded to a Kansas uh, City post office box, her family never heard from her again. For several years, Bonner's mother continued forwarding her checks, and Robinson continued cashing them. So pretty much after he killed Beverly Bonner, he kept writing to the mother as Beverly, so that way Beverly's mother could send checks to him. Damn! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he kept doing. So this dude was pretty fucked up. By now, Robinson had discovered the internet and roamed various social networking sites using the name Slave Master. Looking, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that was his username. That's the username he would use. Slave Master. Fishy about that, bro. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing fishy about that. Looking for women who enjoy playing the submissive partner role during sex. The first victim he met online was named Shilia Faith, who was 45 years old, whose 15 year old daughter was. Um, 50 year old daughter Debbie was confined to a wheelchair due to spine um, bifida, which is what she suffered from. Gotcha. Do, do you guys know what spina bifida is? The reason why I know is because if you've ever seen the movie Shallow Hell, then you know what yeah. spina bifida is. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that movie. <laughs> That's when you know what spina bifida is. Because that guy that would fucking walk on his hands and shit. Yes. Yeah. But he somehow, like, would always crush fucking puss and shit. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, we always had a bunch of chicks in that movie. Sympathy puss, that's why. Hey, fuck it. You got to get what you can get it. That is better than that, right? Yeah, exactly. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah. So, th- so again, if you watch the movie Shallow Hal, which if you've never seen it, then it has Jack Black in it. I recommend You got to go watch it. it. Yeah, you've never seen a, it. You got to go watch it. Exactly, it's a good. It's a pretty fucking. I say. I don't know if it holds up by today's standards since everybody. Oh, oh fuck oh, no, bro. Yeah, today, no, today's yeah. Today's standards. Yeah, no. today's standards. Yeah, no, <laughs> that movie would not do well by today's standards. Don't think about it. Yeah. So never mind. Don't go watch the movie. If you, no, if, yeah. it. Oh no, yeah, yeah. You know what? Go watch it and see what you think about the movie and if it holds up today. That's an interesting thing to think about right now. That movie probably. probably that movie would not be allowed to be made today if you think about it. Yeah, straight up. Well, yeah. They made for the fucking quote unquote ugly people and it yeah. was supposed to be fat. So like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that movie would not have been made today. That's a mo- that's a product of its time, I think. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, he portrayed himself as a wealthy man who would support them and pay for Debbie's therapy and gave and give Sheila a job. And in 1994, they moved from Fullerton, California to Kansas City and immediately disappeared shortly after. Robinson cashed Faith's pension checks for the next seven years. So he killed them and kept cashing the pension checks that she would receive for her daughter and stuff. Gradually, Robinson became well-known in the increasingly popular BDSM online chat rooms. And in 1999, he offered Isabella Lewicka a 21-year-old Polish immigrant living in Indiana, a job and a bondage relationship. When she moved to Kansas City, the still-married Robinson gave her an engagement ring and brought her to the county register, where they paid for a marriage license that was never picked up. It is unclear whether Lewicka believed she and Robinson were married. She told her parents she had married, but never told them uh, her husband's name. 
she did sign a 115-item slave contract that gave Robinson almost total control over every aspect of her life. You know, this is a contract that he made, right? Uh, I don't know if it's a contract that he made because it, I didn't really look into it. I mean, if you want to go ahead and search if 115-item slave contract is a legit thing, then by all means, go for it. 115 uh, 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 item slave contract? We're about to find out if that's an actual thing because I don't. I didn't look it up when I was doing the research, but this is supposedly what he made her sign, which is a a one fifteen item slave contract that gave Robinson almost total control over every aspect of her life, including her bank accounts. <laughs> so I, I look at I looked it up and it says that he. I looked it up and it actually brings up this case. Oh really? It brings yeah. up the John Edward Robinson case. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So what does it say? It says that it is. Unclear whether what was the girl's name? Lou Luica? Luica, yeah. Yeah, Luica believed that she had Robinson she and Robinson were married. She told her parents that she had married, but never told them her husband's name. Yeah, that's what I that's yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, it doesn't I, yeah, it's it's pretty much what you're reading. It okay. doesn't say it doesn't say if it was created so, by him or so not. So it's oh, so okay, so it doesn't say yeah if it's made by him or not. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So all right. So including her bank accounts and during the summer of nineteen ninety nine she disappeared. Robinson told a web designer he employed that she had been caught smoking marijuana and he deported her. Uh oh. (laughs) 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 About the time Lewicka disappeared, Robinson convinced a lonely licensed practical nurse by day and a submissive slave by night named Suzette Troughton to move from Michigan to Kansas so they could travel the world together. Trowton's mother received several type letters purportedly mailed while the couple was abroad, although the envelopes were stamped with Kansas City postmarks and the letters were, her mother said, uncharacteristically mistake-free. Later, Robinson told Torton's mother she had run off with an acquaintance after stealing money from him. So the mother was thought it was weird that, like, her own daughter, like, because, I mean, you know, your mom's going to know her kid, right? Mm-hmm. So the mom thought it was weird how the daughter didn't make any mistakes in her letter she thought it was weird because her she knew that her daughter didn't really know how to spell that well so it's kind of a fucked up thing to know about (laughs) your kid but it kind of helps because she realized like there's no way that my daughter wrote this because my daughter doesn't know how to fucking spell right my daughter's dumb this (laughs) ain't her yeah this is not her she's not smart didn't work for her what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) like many other serial killers Robinson became increasingly careless over time, and he did a progressively poorer job of covering his tracks. And by 1999, he had attracted the attention of authorities in both Kansas and Missouri as his name cropped up in more and more missing persons investigations. Robinson was arrested in June of 2000 at his farm near uh, Lacane, Kansas, after two women filed sexual battery complaints against him. A task force searching the premises found the decaying bodies of two women, later identified as Isabella Lewicka and Suzette Troughton, and two 85 chemical drums. Now, again, if you follow uh, us on Strange uh, on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast, you're going to be able, if you have the stomach for it, guys, you guys will be able to go on the web, on our profile and actually view those drum barrels. You'll be able to see the contents inside of them. So again, I ask you guys, if you guys are not into looking at that shit, please don't report it. Just <laughs> look away or just scroll past. But just be no. But I at least be I, I'm at least nice enough to put a fucking warning to let you guys know that you're gonna be seeing some fucked up shit. 
Yeah, I like that. Right. That's, that's, that's the one thing I like about your... People will have their hand down their pants while fucking looking at those photos. <laughs> uh, but I yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Shy guy watching your computer is like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So I put a warning to you know make sure you guys know that you're going to be looking at something that could potentially be disturbing. But yes, uh, you're going to be able to see those uh, uh, pictures if you care to fucking view them. But yeah, they're going to be on the profile when this episode airs. So by the time you hear this, you'll probably know. But yeah, it's uh, at Strange Talk Podcast. So that's where you guys can follow it. Uh, but back to the case. So they were found in 85-pound chemical drums. Uh, I believe he put in lime and acid inside there, and he would slowly dissolve the bodies. Across the state... I'm sorry? So it's like a soup. Yeah, a human soup. <laughs> Across the state line in Missouri, other members of the task force searching a storage facility where Robinson rented two garages found three similar chemical drums containing corpses subsequently identified as Beverly Bonner and Sheila and Debbie Faith. All five women were killed in the same way by one or two blows to the head. So he would basically, uh, he would either use a hammer or he would use a mallet to basically kill them and crush their skull in that's how bad he would beat them in in 2002 robinson was sentenced to death in kansas for the murders of trout and lewicka and life imprisonment for killing stacy because she had been murdered before kansas reinstated the death penalty robinson could become the first convicted executed by lethal injection in the state of kansas robinson simultaneously faced a complex legal dilemma in missouri where prosecutors were actively pursuing additional murder charges based on the evidence discovered in the state. Robertson's attorneys opposed his extradition because Missouri is far from aggressive in capital punishment than Kansas, which has yet to execute anyone since reinstating its death penalty statute. So yeah, Kansas City, they had gotten rid of the um, of the death penalty and they basically reinstated it. But since they had reinstated it up until uh, John Edward Robertson, they hadn't killed anybody for quite some time. However, Chris Coster, the Missouri prosecutor, insisted as a condition of any plea bargain that Robinson lead authorities to the bodies of Lisa Stacy, Paula Godfrey, and Catherine Clampett, since doing so would have constituted a tactic admission of guilt, which could have been used against him in Kansas. Robinson refused. Coster, on the other hand, faced pressure to make a deal because his case was not technically airtight. Among other issues, there was no unequivocal evidence that any of the murders had actually been committed within Coster's jurisdiction. When it became clear that the women's remains would never be found without Robinson's cooperation, a compromise of sorts was reached. In a carefully scripted plea in October of 2003, Robinson acknowledged only that Coster had enough evidence to convict him of capital murder for the deaths of Godfrey, Clampett, Bonner, and the Fates. Though his statement was technically a guilty plea and was accepted as such by the Missouri court, it was notably devoid of any contrition or specific acceptance of responsibility. Robinson currently remains on death row in Kansas. So he wasn't actually put to death. He's still alive right now, awaiting to be put to death. So he's just... I I think that's better, though. The you death so? penalty, that's just too easy. <laughs> you, yeah, you think so? I, yeah, like, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to worry about anything. He's fucking dead. If he's in hell, then, you know, whatever. If there is no hell or heaven, then he's he doesn't have to worry about shit. 
That's straight up. Straight up. Yeah. So being on, like that, that, and if you think about it, that is going to be a lot better though, like of, of a punishment. Would it though? Would it be a lot better? Because I mean, every day it's could be his last, I guess, in a way. So that might be a scary thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. they could throw him in fucking isolation for the rest of his life. That's true. Just forever. He only gets one hour to go outside. It's that. That is very true. That, like, I would go insane personally in a small room with like no this. contact to anybody forever. Yeah, like, the demons inside me would come out and fucking fuck up my mind just yeah. from being alone. <laughs> They're like, hey, Robert, what's up? Are you ready to smoke again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what's up, Robert? What about me? <laughs> Dude, for all I know, I'd be so psyched out of fucking beating my dick till it fucking bleeds. <laughs> Writing fucking on the walls with my bloody dick blood like everywhere. Like, come on, dude. All left alone, isolated. (laughs) So, in 2005, Nancy Robinson filed for divorce after 41 years of marriage, citing incompatibility and irreconcilable. Oh my god, I don't know why I can't say this fucking word. Irreconcilable (laughs) differences. Fuck. In 2006. Now this one, this one's kind of an interesting one. In 2006, it turns out Lisa Stacy's daughter, the little four-month-old girl, known since her adoption. So pretty much that little girl that um, belonged to Lisa Stacy, who Robinson was the one that came up to her and that she was living in the shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was basically adopted by Robinson's uh, brother and his wife, and they named her Heather Robinson. Uh, she filed actually a civil suit against Truman Medical Center in Kansas City and social worker Karen Gaddis, contending that Gaddis told John Robinson about Stacy and her newborn daughter in 1984 after he told her he was looking for women for his fictional home for unwed mothers of white babies. In 2007, Heather Robinson and the hospital reached a settlement for an undisclosed sum, which Robinson said she would split with her biological grandmother, Patricia Silverstone. So she basically sued the hospital and sued um, uh, the the social worker that worked her case for the adoption and everything, uh, and she won money. Hmm. So that's a that's a thing, little uh, sweet. But that's pretty much the end of it. There is a little bit thing that I guess I'll just fucking read. Um, but apparently, after this happened, because John Edward Robinson was considered the first internet serial killer, technically, because he was the first person to actually use the internet to find his victims so that's why they considered him the first internet serial killer because he would go on chat line rooms and stuff like the bds bdsm chat rooms and shit like that Mm -hmm. and that's where he would find these people and victims and stuff like that but apparently i guess there was like a little email hoax that people would get in their email and this is what it said it said the trial also spawned a number of email and now second life hoaxes with the web users warned first against the usernames these are all the usernames that they go by slave master sweet kelly guy forever I'm a hustler, baby. Is <laughs> <laughs> that from a song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a hustler, baby. <laughs> yes, that's not. <laughs> free, uh, free Mumia. Uh, free Mamia, I guess. is Yeah, free Mamia, 911. Uh, Monkey Man, 935. Rockheart, Abs. And most recently, <laughs> Dream Weaver Gray. These are all, like, these are all the usernames that you would have to look for to, to tell that this is probably an email hoax. The, e- the email usually looks something like this. This is what it would be like. Subject from the state police. Not a joke. Please read this. State police warning for online. 
Warning from the State Police USA. Not a joke. State Police warning for online. Please read this very carefully, then send it out to all the people online that you know. Something like this is nothing to be taken casually. This is something you do want to pay attention to. Think of it as a bit of advice, too. If a person with the screen name of MonkeyMan935 contacts you, you do not reply. Do not talk to this person. Do not answer any of his or her instant messages or email. Whoever this person may be, he or she is a sub- suspect for murder in the death of 56 women so far, contacted through the internet. Please send this to all the women on your buddy list and ask them to pass <laughs> this on as well. This screen name was seen on Yahoo, AOL, AIM, and Excite so far. This is not a joke. Please send this to men too, just in case. Send to everyone you know, ladies. This is serious. So that's basically like an email hoax that would go out to all their friends. And you know what's weird is I see this a lot still right now. Like these things, like, I don't know if you, like, I don't know if like, if you've ever been on Instagram, probably not, I don't know, maybe not you, Robert, or maybe, maybe you have, but I've seen a lot of people like post stuff in the stories, especially now with the whole recent, like save the children hashtag thing coming around. I see a lot of people putting stories about like, um, people putting markings on cars to mark somebody because they want to basically kidnap that woman for human trafficking. while though like even in the beginning of the year before that got all like super fucking public Mm -hmm. but but you've been seeing things like that right like it's almost like a warning like hey pass this around because this stuff is happening right you've seen that yeah okay and i'm not saying that it doesn't happen but i feel like this is just my opinion i'm not saying that because human trafficking is a serious thing it is a fucking thing it is an issue that's going on in this world but i i don't i don't know sometimes i find it very hard to believe when I see those things, like people post those things, like, oh, there was, uh, especially when it comes from Facebook, like I see a lot of people like yeah. screen cap from Facebook. I don't believe those things. Like maybe I'm an asshole for thinking that. And I'm sorry, listener, if you believe I'm an asshole, but you can feel free to call me an asshole at Strange Talk Podcast on Instagram. Asshole. Uh, I mean, it's, well, I mean, it's important to just believe that shit. It's always important to just like kind of, go through the steps and make sure you do all the research to try and find evidence that that kind of shit is going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fucking, fucking extremely good point. Exactly. You know? And that's the thing that worries me is that like, I feel like with the internet and the technology that we have today, it is good. And there's a lot of good that have come from it, but there's also been a lot of bad that's come from it. Absolutely. You know? And that, that's the crazy well, thing. Cause it's it. all from people who are gullible and believe it and have like no problems showing and like showing all their personal stuff. Like look at that rapper, pop smoke. He died recently because he was flaunting all his cash and he accidentally posted his address. He deleted yeah. it, uh-huh. but it's like, dude, the internet, nothing has gone forever. Yeah, like, that's true. You know, second you post it you're fucking done and that's exactly everything that we say right now is basically cataloged and archived for us so if at any time we want to get canceled this is this is the time we're gonna get canceled <laughs> this is what we'll be canceled for <laughs> this is gonna come back to haunt us <laughs> no but yeah that's the crazy thing but yeah that's it for today's episode uh, guys this is john th- that was the episode of john Edward robertson but don't forget if you guys are curious to see what the barrels look like and the gruesomeness it's not that bad as far as gore goes um but before i we actually sign off and we go away did you guys hear about this guy that committed suicide on twitch i believe it was what or facebook live i think it was it was either twitch or facebook live yeah there's a guy that that committed suicide. He 
his mom was watching the stream too. That's horrible. I think yeah. you were telling me about that the other day. I haven't seen it, but I remember you were telling me the other day. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know why he killed himself. I don't really know that much into it. I've been trying to look into it, but apparently, like, people are like spreading that video around as jokes and I guess to be edgy, which kind of sucks at the same time. But no, but I guess because I haven't seen the video, but I've seen people describe it. I guess when he shoots himself, you can actually literally see like the front of his face just explode off. Damn. Yeah. And I guess that's like what people were saying that it's like super brutal. But yeah, I guess people are just being fucked up about it and like spreading it on like social media sites like TikTok. Well, yeah, because like, I guess some more views. And yeah, and Instagram and stuff. Yeah. And that's the keeping that's, them relevant. See, that's the scary thing that I don't think people are ready to talk about the internet and basically social media in general, I think. Like as much as I use social media and stuff, the scary thing about it is I I see that when I saw like that people were sharing it and stuff, people were saying like, oh, come to my profile and I, I have the video, DM me and follow me and I'll, I'll send you the fucking video. All using that just to get followers. Like that shit's crazy and scary at the same that time. Half of people are probably fucking murderers and fucking rapists and stuff. Like I heard a, a story about this girl this is when instagram was first getting started she was kind of like an upcoming instagram model uh-huh. and like yeah. someone reached out to her and said hey you know we'll, we'll get you a, a paid exclusive vacation at this hotel over here and i don't know the state but like for example florida all you have to do is buy your plane ticket and then we'll reimburse you just in case if we buy your plane ticket you might not come so uh-huh. the lady's like all right cool and she went and she met up with some guy who um had a really thick accent and like didn't really speak proper English. And he told her like when, when she showed up, she was with her brother, but he assumed it was her boyfriend. Uh-huh. And he was like, Hey, you were supposed to come with a guy. You're supposed to come with another girl, blah, blah, blah. And the guy took off. And like, she got saved that her brother was there because it was just a setup to kidnap two girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they're probably going to try to like human traffic them or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's just so crazy how people believe anything right now and yeah, how dude. easily they are to get fucking pulled into this shit. Mm-hmm. It's, that's a scary thing, dude. And that's the fucking crazy thing. Um, but before we actually sign off and we do it, I have a question for you guys. Uh, what would you guys rather hear for next week's episode? So you guys can either choose. You guys can hear about the last case that I gave you guys. The, the other one, I think his name was, um, what was his name? Let me look up his name. So the last case that Oh, uh, Maury Travis, Maury Troy Travis. He was a guy that he was an African-American serial killer. And what he would do is he would pick up like prostitutes or just pick up women in general. And uh, he would take them to his house and he, he would film himself raping, torturing and murdering them. So you, you could either we could talk about that one. His name is, uh, again, Maury Travis. Or we can talk about human spontaneous combustion. That was quick. <laughs> All right, cool. Because uh, uh, Yolanda's sister was actually the one that recommended about that, uh, talking about that. So you hit it. You hit it. You hit it. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> no, honestly, I'm going to be straight with my listeners right now. I'm super fucking high. And I feel like that's making me stumble on my words a lot more because I'm like super fucking like high right now. But anyways, oh God, you get so many people telling you that's why you don't smoke weed. It's yeah, bad for you, right? Brain. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad. Honestly, it's not bad. It's, it's not bad. If it's okay, honestly, if you're a listener and you're listening to this right now, you should have said you were drunk. 
probably more acceptable than that. Or you could oh, say I'm high on cocaine. I'm high on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're rich. Gotcha. <laughs> no but for real but okay so yeah okay so yeah there you guys heard it. you guys heard it here first all right we're gonna be doing next week's episode is gonna be about human spontaneous combustion we're gonna find some uh so you know this would be interesting for you guys to do uh robert and danny so i will find a case about human spontaneous con- combustion and then you guys will also find a story or a case yeah. if you guys are willing to do that are you guys yeah. willing to do that yeah, totally done. Right. totally done. yeah so that we can so we can kind of all give our taste of how we tell a story or whatnot so it doesn't always have to just be me talking you hear that you know? we got homework you guys got homework <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's what we'll do for next week's episode we'll talk about spontaneous Combustion, human spontaneous combustion. And if you don't know what that is, you guys are gonna be in for a fucking surprise because that shit cray cray. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. It is crazy, dude. You know about human spontaneous combustion a little bit, right? Or yeah, you like, you like when you're holding a fart, your body explodes. Exactly. Yes. You guys don't need to hear the episode anymore. Now you guys pretty much know what it is. <laughs> no, but yeah, you guys will hear a few cases about human spontaneous combustion. Uh, thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Strange Talk Podcast of John Edward Robinson. We hope you guys learned something new and different. So. If you guys have an idea for a topic or an episode that you want to hear about or you just want to fucking talk to us by Robert or Danny, you want to, you want to hear their sweet, sexy voices more, you can follow us on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcast. If you want to send us stuff by email, you can do that at Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com. What's that email again, guys? Strange Talk Podcast at Outlook.com. Oh, yeah. All right, yeah, guys. Yeah, <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you guys, as always, stay fucking strange. <laughs>